entitled the message today, That Where Is Your Sting? As some of you have already heard and known throughout this week that uh, our brother, um, uh, Juan Sanchez, has passed away uh, early last, last week, uh, around Monday. And, uh, and I praise God for the words that you have spoken. At the Letty, thank you for sharing about what you known about him. And Clay, thank you for sharing what you know about Juan. And just to tell you, the first time I met Juan was actually longer than many of you. He, I saw him one time uh, uh, at the a Jing store, and she was she, he was there attending. He was just there uh, sitting, but he, he attended our Bible study. We used to have a Bible study at at uh, a Jing store uh, in First Street and and Slaughter, and he was very interested with our church. I, I we we talk, but somehow never heard of him afterwards. Then the next thing I saw him, he came to our anniversary. I don't know which anniversary. I think it was the fifth anniversary or. Maybe fifth anniversary. It was when we were at Onion Creek Baptist Church. He just showed up. I don't know how he found out about us. And he showed up for anniversary. And he was so excited. And I was the one who took him home that day. But after that, never saw him. And I think I found out the reason why. Because after we were in that venue, we moved here, right? And he didn't know, I think, where we moved. <laughs> so, so he couldn't find us. Then, then this recent uh, months, he started attending this church here, Pleasant Hill. And that's how he found out about us. <laughs> he said, oh, this is the church that I was looking for. <laughs> it's, it looks like we're hard to find. <laughs> we were like hermit, uh, you know, hermit, hermit the crabs, the crabs. You know, they find different places to meet. Praise God for that. So he, we, we got to know him from the camp. That was the, really the first time he really got to know him through the camp. And he was very helpful. He was very helpful. And I really praise God for his desire to help. Even he told me, Pastor Al, I want to come to your house and clean up your garage. <laughs> uh, so I said, yeah, but I told him, yeah, you have to take care of your health first. <laughs> and, you know, death is a reality that we are all facing. And I know we are both sad that we lost a brother, but we're also joyful that he is with our Lord. And, you know, none of the struggles that he has in this life is there anymore. He's free from pain, free from all his sickness and weakness. And so today I want to talk about death. And, and this is, I, I pray that you will see this in the light of how the Bible describes death. Because in our culture, in human understanding, it's always a negative thing. It's always a bad thing to talk about death, you know, especially when you reach closer to November 1st, it always brings ugly images, right? <laughs> like mga bungo, uh, skull, things like that. But you know, death is a reality in this life. Just, just think about the recent mass shootings that's happening in this, in the, especially in, this, in our state. Uh, El Paso, Odessa, and also this past week, we celebrated, uh, not celebration I don't think that's a good word to say sorry but it's remembering what happened in 9-11 this past week and I want to share something that I found out I just um, some information I got in relation to NDEs I don't know if you're familiar with NDEs it's called near-death experience and I believe this has been happening for a while but but for a long time probably since the beginning of time but 
Recently, we have more information about it, this. If you notice in the uh, books, there are many books that were released in relation to this. You know, talking about people, you know, near experience talks about people who, who died and was resuscitated again. And, and they, they share their experience on what happened to them while they were, they were dead. And I want to share one particular uh, information or data. This was put together by Dr. I, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right. It's Fleshman. Fleshman. He's a director of emergency medical units in Germany and Switzerland. And this is not a believer, by the way. This guy is not a Christian. He said, of all the people who died in ERs, in emergency rooms around the world, around 20 to 30% report some experience while they're dead, while they were brain dead in the, in, in the ERs. And this is not just in one country, this is around the world. And what's interesting is he said, the experiences of these folks that died and, and was resuscitated, they have similar experience. It's very, there's a pattern, there's a pattern. And this is the pattern that he found. First, after a first person dies, he experiences peace, no anxiety, and, and the awareness that he is already dead. Then the second thing in, the, in, the, in that phase, the first, that's the first phase, and it happens, he said it happens very quickly. And the next phase, he said, that, that they see their own body inside the ER. And, 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 and this person who was supposed to be brain dead from a physical standpoint is able to hear everything that's going on in the ER, able to see, and they are able to describe in detail what they saw. So, and, 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 and Dr. Uh, Freshman, he said, I have no explanation for this. There's no scientific explanation for this because the person is totally brain dead. There's, it's not hallucination or dreaming. It's, the person is totally brain, brain dead. And, and the third phase, this, he said that these people after this phase of seeing themselves, uh, their bodies, they find themselves in a dark place. And out of that darkness, which leads to phase four, they see a distant light, a small light, and it grows closer and closer and closer. And it's an attractive light, as if they are being drawn to it or floating towards it, uh, uh, you know, over, over time. And normally, many of the NDE uh, those who experience NDE ends here. It ends here. And they, 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 they're resuscitated again. They're alive again. But he said that less than 10% of those who had NDE, less than 10 very small percentage, just very small per percentage, end up reaching that light. And you know what they say when they arrive at that point? There's many other things they describe, but one prominent thing that they, that they said, pretty much all the NDEs describe this. Around the world, no matter what background, culture, country, he said, they see a being made of light. And that being emanates unconditional love. A being made of light that emanates. In fact, <laughs> uh, the doctor described this, this his word, oozing, oozing with, with unconditional love. And you know, for us Christians, we don't base our theology on this. We don't base our belief on these kinds of stories. You know, some of these stories may be true. Some probably not. So we, that's why we don't, believe, we don't base our theology on this. But what's amazing is the descriptions of these people matches with the Bible. Because first of all, 
We know from scripture that our lives goes beyond our physical death. There's life after death. We, we, our, our souls and our spirit goes on after our physical life. And it's shown here, right? And that's what the Bible teaches. Secondly, we also find in the Bible that God is a God of light. In fact, there's no sun in heaven. God himself is a source of light. He's a being of light. And lastly, I, this is obvious to all of us we, as, when you read the scripture that God is love. God is love. And he, he, he radiates unconditional love. That's, that's who God is. So, so today, I want to talk about more about what scripture is saying about death. So some questions I would like us to answer is what happens to us after death? And, and, and as Christians, what do we believe death is? What is death according to our theology, according to our perspective? What, we believe, what, the, what does the Bible teach? What does scripture teach about death? And I think this is a good time to talk about this because, you know, because of the things we recently experienced. So who among you shared, already shared the gospel with someone or tried to share the gospel with someone? Praise God. I am so glad that, that many of you are raising your hands. Praise God. One of the few verses that we use to share the gospel, a very common verse in sharing the gospel, is of course Romans 6.23. And you notice, in the gospel, you cannot run away from the topic of death. Because even in the gospel, death is always mentioned. It's always there. It's part of what you share. In fact, in Romans 6.23, we, we are told that the wages of sin is death. That's, those are one of the gospel message, uh, verses that we share. Wages of sin is death. Who among you memorized John 3.16? In John 3.16, it says, we shall not, it says there, we shall not perish, but have eternal life. Pa perish there also talks about death. So you cannot escape, talk, you know, talking about, not talking about death. You cannot not talk about death when it comes to gospel. So one of the things I want you to know today is that death is the final outcome or result of living in a fallen world. This is the final outcome of living in a, in a, sin, in a world corrupted by sin. Okay? Uh, if you remember in our, uh, in our camp, uh, during our camp, we talk about, uh, talk about this, uh, entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, that the universe left to itself becomes disorderly over time, decays, and eventually dies, will die. You know, this, 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 this law, it was just recently, you know, formulated. But thousands of years before this, thousands of years before science even formulated this law, the law of, second law of thermodynamics, the Apostle Paul said his words, he said, for the creation was subjected to frustration, we're talking about this world, not by its own choice, meaning this is not creation's fault that creation is dying, but by the will of one who subjected it. Someone subjected creation to decay. Someone did this to creation in hope that creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into freedom and the glory of the children of God. Meaning, creation was subject to decay. Think about yourself, all of you in your, your own body. We know what decay is, right? We understand that. You know, some of you, 
and me, I'm, I've experienced this many times, having toothaches is an evidence of decay, right? You, you, your, your tooth started, starts to decay, and if you're not going to do anything about it, eventually it's going to ache, it's going to cause pain. Now, this decay is happening in the universe. Around, you know, affects everything in the universe. That's why we have sickness, we have death in this world. That's why we have calamities. And not only that we're going to have decay in this universe, eventually the universe will die. Not just, the universe, not just human life, not just animals. The universe itself. And that's what the passage is saying. That's what, that's what the passage is saying. That the, the, we, the universe is under bondage of decay. But there's good news. In verse 21, in the second passage, what does it say, that, say there? That one day, one day, creation will be liberated from the bondage of decay. Will be released from this, from this situation, from this, you know, from this bondage. And the question is, when will this happen? When will all creation be released from the bondage of decay? If you're going to read just a few verses down, this is verse 21, just Go down on that same passage in, uh, in the same uh, chapter in verse 23. This is what the Apostle Paul said. After saying a few things, he said, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we, eager, as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Of our bodies. Not only that creation is waiting, Makonsha, uh, that he will, the creation will be, will be redeemed from decay. We as human beings, as, as children of God, we are also waiting for this. And when is this whole thing going to happen? At the time when our bodies are going to be redeemed. At the time of our resurrection. Which means this whole event is going to happen in the coming of Christ. It's going to happen when Jesus returns. Now, one of the passages that I would like you to spend time reading, maybe on your own later, it's I, I, on the program, I put some notes there. I don't have some question and answer or blanks there right now, but, but I just put some notes there on the passages that I'm going to use today. But I want you to, to, to consider reading, I want you to read on your own later on, 1 Corinthians 15. Because this is a very amazing passage. 1 Corinthians 15. And, 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 and this is amazing because... You know, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, if you're, if, you've been familiar, if you're familiar with this passage, at the beginning of this passage, this is where Paul explains what is the gospel. He says that, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel which I preached to you. He's talking about the gospel here. And what is the gospel? He explains this in the succeeding few, verse, few verses later. He said, what is the gospel? That Christ died for your sins according to scripture. And not only that, that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day according to scripture. So this is just a very base, I would say, fundamental definition of what the gospel is. It's Jesus. It's him. His life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is what the gospel is. I hope all of us already know this. But not only this, what's amazing about this passage, if you just go down a few verses later, in verse 24 and 26, just in the same chapter, what did Paul do here? He gave us a grand picture of human 
in even human or, or even heaven's history. It's a grand picture of history. Not that this is the outcome of the gospel. This is where the gospel and our salvation is going to end. This is where it's going to lead. And this is what he said. Then comes the end. This is really the end. And what does he say here? What did, what did, what, I'm talking about earth, uh, physic, the end of the, the, the physical realm. He said, then comes the end. When he delivers, that is Jesus, the kingdom of God, the Father, after, after destroying every rule, every authority, and power, for he must reign until all his enemies are put under, put, uh, enemies are under his feet. And then the last, last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now this passage is saying, say, telling us that this is the end of all ends. The final chapter uh, of history. And Jesus, what he does here is he accomplishes everything that needs to be done. Second coming is already done. Resurrection, our resurrection is already done. Uh, he destroyed his enemies already. All the rulers and powers and everything that's opposed, that opposes him, he already destroyed them. And at this very end, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to give back the kingdom, including the church, including all of you who are children of God. He's going to present all this back to his father. Dad, I'm going to give this back to you. He's going to present and deliver the kingdom back to his father. But one thing that's amazing, interesting here is that Jesus at this point is going to destroy the last enemy. That is death. It's death. Now the Bible tells us that you have eternal life and we believe this. I, I pray that you already believe this with all your heart. We have eternal life and not only that, in the second coming when Jesus returns, you're going to be resurrected. You're going to be, if you, if you die in the next year or two or, or before Jesus returns, when Jesus returns, you're going to be raised back to life. You're going to be raised back to life. And our resurrection is guaranteed. It's going to happen. It's, it's guaranteed. And, and in the verse that uh, Renel read earlier, uh, if, you, if we're going to go back, go to that, just breeze straight quickly. So it talks about what's going to happen. That, that, that we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. It's talking about people who are alive when Jesus returns, and they're going to be changed. Those who are dead, they're going to rise back to life. But those who are alive, they're going to be changed when Jesus returns. Their bodies will be transformed. And, 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 and us, are, so for us who are alive, if we're alive by then, we'll just, our bodies will just be transformed. We become immortal. Our, 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 our mortal body becomes immortal. Our perishable body becomes imperishable it's going to change but those who are alive uh, who are dead who are already dead who are believers in Christ they're going to get their bodies back as well immortal imperishable bodies and, and this will happen when the last trumpet will sound so therefore when Jesus returns there will be sounds of trumpets but when the last trumpet will sound as Jesus comes down from the clouds and I believe every person on earth will see this this day, we don't know when it's going to happen, but it's coming soon. Because there are signs that tells us it's coming soon. But 
But when that happens, every person on earth will see Jesus coming down from the clouds. And when the last trumpet will sound, bang! All of us who are alive back then, by then, who are Christians, we're just going to be transformed. And, and I, I always share this with everyone. You know, Marvin always tells me that, that, that since we now we have perfect bodies, men and women, all the men were, is going to look like Absalom. You know, the Bible tells us that he's the most handsome man of all Israel. Long hair. Uh, maybe blonde, I don't know. <laughs> and all the women will look like Esther, the most uh, beautiful woman in all of Persia. Wow. It's going to be boring. <laughs> because Absalom, the Bible describes him as a man without any blemish. Walang imperfection, walang blemish, no blemish in his body. So we will not have blemish by then. <laughs> Marvin, flawless? Flawless. Okay, don't, don't, don't buy any serum anymore or whatever, women. Uh, Anti-aging thing. Just wait for that day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just wait for the day. Gastos lang yung serum. But think about this. When Paul said, what Paul said earlier, or what we read earlier, that death it itself will be destroyed by Christ. Death itself will be destroyed by Christ. It is the death of death. It is the death of death. And death will cease to exist. That's why Paul... Um, okay, talking about immortality. And I'm going to go back to this later on. But this is, uh, this is what Paul said. Because death itself eventually will be destroyed by Christ. It will cease to exist. The, the conclusion of 1 Corinthians 15 are these words. Where or death, where is, where, where is your victory? Where, O oh death, where is your where your where, where O oh death is your sting? Okay, what does this mean? What does this passage mean? What do you think is the meaning of this passage? It talks about that death will lose its potency. There's no power. It loses its power. Death becomes powerless. It will not be able to damage your life or destroy God's plan for your life. For a believer, death will not have any impact upon your life. No impact, by the way, upon your life. If you're a believer in Christ, I'm talking about believers in Jesus Christ. It's not the case with unbelievers. But if you're a believer, death will not have any impact. It's powerless. In fact, in Hebrews 2, 14 to 15, we are told that one of the things that salvation brings us, one of the things that the gospel brings us is that, what does it say in the hand, in the end here? Uh, you know, it is the devil who holds the power of death, but through Christ, God is going to free us from the slavery of our fear of death. One of the things that, that, that's, that's a blessing for us Christians is that we lose the fear of death. We lose the fear of death. Because be, fear, being fearful of death is, is being a slave of death. Or a slave of sin. 
But one of the things that God wants to do in our lives as we mature, as we grow, we, we lose this kind of fear. Fear of death. And I've seen this in many of you. Some of you have been through difficult times, even to the point of almost dying. And there's joy, right? <laughs> I remember at the lady. I was there. <laughs> her 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 uh her her heart rate was like a well, it's like a dice on a on a on a on a on a on a you know blackjack table maybe or something. Oh, oh no, sorry, not blackjack, but what's that? A crap, craps, right? <laughs> her heart rate keeps on changing and changing, like 120, 70, 120, 180, 150, 130, 30. It's like it's going on with that heart rate. It was scary, but you know, she was joyful. <laughs> Remember that. Death becomes a snake without teeth. It's like a wasp without sting. That's what happens to death. Now, if you remember uh, the story of Stephen, we, we talk about Stephen. You know, Stephen, the day, the moment when he was about to die, he was he was about to be uh, stoned to death. Remember that? And 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 at that very moment. Um, he saw a vision of heaven. And he saw a vision of Christ expecting to receive him. You know, he, he, he saw Jesus waiting for him. You know, the reality is that even as believers, there, there is fear. I'm not going to deny this. There's fear, there's sorrow when it comes to death. That's that's That's... Even though the Bible tells us that, that we're going to be delivered from this fear of death. But the reality is there's sorrow, there's somewhat fear. But the sorrow, is, it's mostly related with loss of fellowship. Loss of, of, of connection, of physical or, or, or you know, uh, physical presence of someone you love. Or you losing, you know, the fellowship with your family, with your loved ones. That's sorrowful, Right? And also, you know, when, when you face this moment, there's also the fear of something that you're not, you're, you're, you haven't experienced before. It's totally new. It's something you haven't really done. You, you haven't died before. So this is the first time you're going to face this. And, and it's not that because you don't know what's on the other side. It's just because it's something different. It's something totally you haven't experienced before. And there's somewhat fear there. But what's, what's amazing for a believer is that, and this is what you find even in scripture, is that, that, is, that those kinds of feeling of sorrow and, and fear, it's momentary. It doesn't last long because it is followed by joy. It's followed by excitement. Just think of Stephen, for instance. I, I want to focus on him just quickly. You know, Stephen, he saw Jesus in heaven ready to receive him. And he was saying these words. He described this moment to people around him. And, 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 and there, are, there were brothers there, there were other believers there who probably heard him. And, and hearing these words, oh wow, I saw Jesus, I see, I'm seeing Jesus in heaven ready to receive him at the moment that he was about to die. And this must have been an exciting experience for the people around there, especially the brothers, not those who were trying to kill him, but for the other Christians who were there listening. This must have been an exciting moment, right? But the Bible tells us in Acts 2 that when they buried Stephen, they mourned deeply. They mourned deeply. They were sorrowful. 
So what I'm saying here is that the death of a believer is really a mix of sorrow and joy. We see this in the life of Stephen. There's a mix of sorrow and joy. But, be, but because of this joy, joy that the, the joy part is important. The early church, we, we, we read this over and over in, human, in, in history. The early church, they were persecuted intensely. But you know, when they faced that, they faced that with confidence. They were not afraid. They faced that. There there's probably, there probably fear. There was probably, you know, concern there. But they confidently faced death in spite of all the potential pain or struggle that they're going to go through. And I believe this is what is happening even today among Christian martyrs today. You know, there are people in different parts of the world right now that are being persecuted and even killed for the sake of their faith in Christ. But they are able to face death confidently. And that's why they're able to sing and worship God even though they're about to be fed to the lions. And this was something practiced back in the Roman, uh, during the time of the Romans. So the joy, our joy, in the face of death, is the anticipation that we're going to meet Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to be with him in heaven. And we're going to see him you know, face to face as well. But here's the thing. For a person without Christ, for a person without Jesus in their lives, it's just sorrow and nothing more. Let me say this again. For, for a believer, you have sorrow, but it turns to joy. But for a non-believer, for a person without Jesus, it's just sorrow and nothing more. Nothing more. Did you know that there's, no hope, there's nothing hopeful about someone dying without Christ? There's nothing hopeful about it. There's nothing positive about it. There's a lot of lies going on in, in, in cemeteries today. And cemeteries for centuries. They have a word that they put on the, on the crosses, rest in peace. That's a big lie. Because if the person died and he doesn't have Jesus in his life, he's not in peace. He's going to be suffering for all eternity. There's no peace for someone who died without Jesus. Nothing. That's why I said last time here, if I'm, going to, I'm going to do a funeral of someone who, or, or do a funeral service for someone who is without Christ. I might say, no, I cannot do it. Because I cannot stand there and say, tell the truth. It's hard to tell the truth to people who's hurting, right? And I'm going to be lying if I'm going to say, hey, your, your family is in a good place. Or is rest in peace now. It's hard to say that because you're not telling the truth. Because if I know that the person didn't have Christ in his life, he is in hell. He is in hell. But I want to answer this question. Why do believers, why do we believe as believers still, why do we have to face death? Why do we need to die physically? You know, death is dreadful, right? Just to imagine the situation. That's the truth. When you're, you're in that situation, you're in the hospital or, you know, I, 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 
I, back when I was 21 years old, I, I had my first job as a teacher, and, and I don't know what happened, but uh, after our, our initial meeting with the faculty, I, I, I went home. I, well, you know, in the Philippines, you have a tricycle. You know, a tri... Huh? Oh, zikad, zikad, but, but I use a tricycle. A mot it's a motorcycle with a sidecar. It's a public transpo, if for some of you don't know that. And, and I was on my way home, halfway towards our house. I felt numbing in both of my legs. Then that numbing just started to go up, up, up until it hit my neck. I was like numb in my whole body. And I was, I was just lying there in the, in the side of the sidecar. I told the driver, hey, don't take me home. Take me to the ER. <laughs> and so I, I drove me quickly to the ER because I wasn't feeling my body. And you know, that very moment, I felt I was going to die. And I, you know what came to my mind? I thought, I thought of all the things I dad done, done against my mom and my dad, all the bad things I've done against them, all the, all the, you know, all the bad things that I did. And I remember, I, my mom and my dad and Anne and Ariel were just in my mind that moment. And so I, I, when I was in the ER, I don't know, I was able to walk to the ER. <laughs> and, and I went to the, to the uh, I don't know, there was a, there was a stretcher there. I just lied down the stretcher and a nurse approached me. Okay, what's going on with you? <laughs> then they did all the checks and said, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> but I really thought I was going to die that day. 100% in my mind. <laughs> and, and so, and they found out there was nothing, there's nothing wrong. And now I understand what it was. It was a panic attack. attack. <laughs> but, but I only found out maybe years and years later. <laughs> but it was my first panic attack. Uh, ever <laughs> uh, in some walk. Then when I arrived home, you know what happened? <laughs> I told my parents, I, I, I told them the story and I just asked for forgiveness for everything I've done. <laughs> I, I remember that I was in bed and they were listening to me and they were just like, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on with you? But it's a fearful thing, right? But why do we have to go through this? Why do we have to go through death? You know, God has already given us eternal life. Why can't just God take us directly once you became a follower of Christ? Why can't he just take us from this world and take us to heaven right away? Why can't he just do that? Just like uh, uh, Elijah and Enoch. I'll give you just four reasons. Um, this is something, this is not my original um, but these are some of the things that we, we, we know why God is still keeping us in this world. Uh, uh, even after we become believers in Jesus Christ. First of all, I want to tell you that when a believer dies, when a Christian dies, when a follower of Jesus dies, your death is not a punishment. It's not a punishment. Why? The Bible tells us there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not anymore condemned. You're not anymore condemned. There's no condemnation already because Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. So your death is not a punishment. That's one thing for you to know. Secondly, it's a consequence of living in a fallen world. You know, our body is a body of sin. It's a body of sin. It's bound to die. And the world is bound to decay and die as well. 
So, so we live in a world that's fallen and sinful and decaying, and that's just a consequence of where we are right now. And that's why a lot of people, it's sad that people blame God for all the problems in their life. They blame God for calamities. They blame God for sickness. But, you know, many, many, probably, I would say, I don't know, maybe most of the time, just say, God has got nothing to do with any of those. Although, on, among believers, sometimes God allows things. But in general, God has got nothing to do, do with many of our problems. If you got drunk and you got hit by a car, what do people say? Oh, ni Lord. God took his life. That's a joke. He did it to himself. Why blame God for being drunk and being hit by a car? You know, we live in a sinful, fallen world, so things happen just because the world is already decaying and separated from God. That's the definition of death, by the way, separation, separation from God. Another thing, um, the amazing thing about death, it's a good thing. It disciplines us and strengthens us. In what way? The Bible tells us that the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. You know, the, the prospect of dying, just even the thought of dying, humbles you. Right? It makes you humble. Even the thought of death, you know, makes you accountable towards God. That you're not just going to be, 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 be wasteful of your time, of your life. You're not just going to waddle in, wallow in sin. You're not just going to waste your, your moments. But you're going to take advantage of every moment and make it God glorifying, useful for God. Because one day it's going to end. Your life is going to end. And why not make the most of this life for God? Because it's going to end one day. Don't waste your time with drinking or, you know, or worth, doing worthless things. I know all of you don't, don't get drunk anymore. Or, you know, you're good people here. But I don't want you to find out that one day, oh, the tamaan was hit by a car because he went out of a bar and, you know, was it, or, or, or something. And was in an accident because he was drunk. I don't want to hear that from anyone here <laughs> because God wants to change the direction of your life and sometimes God allows difficult situation to just to be able to change the direction of your life that's why he allows the prospect of death and even you know something close to death but another thing also not only that God wants us to that God disciplines us, he also wants to strengthen us. Listen to that last statement of the, of the author of Hebrews. This is what he said. We are made perfect through what we suffer. This is talking about Jesus. He was made perfect through what he suffered. And Jesus, we want to imitate the life of Jesus as well. We are made perfect through what we suffer. So suffering perfects us, enables us to be stronger in terms of faith and trusting God. It does a lot of good things, by the way, in, in your spiritual life. So these are the things that, that and, 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 and of course, lastly, we imitate Christ. The Bible says in, the, in Philippians that, 
that we become like him in his death. So not only that we become like Christ in life, but we become like him in his death. And I pray, this is what I pray for each of you, that, that even at the point of when you're on your deathbed, I'm not say, I, I hope it's not going to happen soon, but when you're in the deathbed, you remain faithful. You remain faithful to Christ. You're, you're a committed believer to Christ believer of Jesus Christ, even in your deathbed. I hope it's 100 years from now. Right? <laughs> okay, 50. <laughs> we'll negotiate. And last thing, I think this is where you're in, what, in, you're, what you're interested in, and I'm going to end in here. So what happens to you after you die? What happens to a believer after a believer dies? The, 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 the definition of death in the Bible is separation. It's separation. That's how you define that. It is the separation of your, of your soul and your body. It is the separation of you and God. That's why when, when an unbeliever go, dies, he goes to hell. Because hell is simply a place without God. You are now separated from God. And of course, heaven is a place with God. So that's why we call people in hell spiritually dead. It's not because they cease to exist. It's not because of that. It's because they are separated from God. So when you say eternal life, it means that you are with God. Pretty much that's how death is defined in the Bible. It's separation. Either you, so you're dead because you're away from God. And you're, you have life because you are with God. You are dead physically because your soul and your body is separated. And you're physically alive because they're together. <laughs> right? And what's going to happen after you pass away? This is what the Bible says. Your conscious part, the part that is you, your soul, your real you, goes back to God, to God in heaven, to be with Jesus Christ. While your physical body, of course we know this, is in the, on the ground or in, a, in, a, in an urn if you're cremated. <laughs> it's going go to go back to dust. Your physical body. But the real you, the conscious part of you, the, 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 your personality, your soul, by the way, goes back to the Lord immediately. Maybe what the NDs are talking about is really the process. We don't know. But the end destination for you is to be with the Lord. And how do I know this? I'm just going to give you three verses. So this is what's going to happen. A believer is taken into the very presence of Christ in heaven. I'm just going to give you three verses, but there's even more. Um, Paul said that, that away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Meaning if you're not in your body, if your spirit and soul is not in your body, where are you? You're going to be with the Lord. There's not, nothing else. There's no purgatory. There's no places in between. There's no hanging around on earth for 40 days and saying, oh, I'm just going to stay on earth. I don't want to go to heaven yet. There's nothing like that. Those are all in the movies, but the Bible doesn't say anything about that. It's simple. If you're alive physically today, my soul and body are together right now. But when I die, my body goes back to ground. My real me, Al, I'm going to be with Christ. I'm going to be in heaven. That's what Paul is saying. Absent from the body is being present in, with the Lord. Another thing also Paul is saying, oh, this is, this is another, it's not there. But Paul also said that, that, that to be, to, for him to die in Philippians 1.20, he said, for him to die means to be with Christ. 
means to be with Christ. And also, this is what we find in, in Luke 23, 43. The context of this, you remember the, the thief who said, Jesus, uh, when, 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 when you return to your kingdom, remember me when you return to your kingdom, the, the, the thief on the cross, the good thief, let's just say. What did Jesus said? Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Did, did Jesus say, oh, you're going to be in purgatory today? <laughs> or you're going to be with me 10 years from now? Or you're going to be with me from after the resurrection, maybe in the future? No, what did Jesus say? This very moment when you're going to die, you will be with me. You're going to be with me. That's why death doesn't have any sting. Because once you, once you pass that door, man, you're, you're with Jesus. You don't want to be anywhere else after that. <laughs> That where is your sting? Today, after the very moment you're going to die, you will be with me in paradise. Then, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen is, once you reach heaven in your spiritual form, in your spiritual body, you're not going to have a physical body, by the way, in heaven. You're not going to have a physical body there. Your spirit, I, I don't think you'll be flying around playing harps. You're probably going to have a form that can be recognized. We don't know exactly. But what's going to happen? That moment when you're in heaven in your spiritual body, that is temporary. It's not going to last long. Because what's going to happen? When Jesus returns to earth during his second coming, you're going to come down with Jesus. And all those who died since the beginning of time who are in heaven right now, they're all going to come down to earth again. Together with Jesus, together with the angels, it's going to be, be a big, big delegation that's coming down from heaven. And all of us who are alive during the time of Jesus coming will be down here and we're going to meet them in the air. We're going to be transformed first of all. Our bodies are going to be transformed to the, to the incorruptible body. While those up there, they're going to gain new bodies and us are going to transform. Then going, we're going to have a big reunion in the skies up in Austin. They're in disguise. There's going to be a big reunion. And how do I know this? I'm going to, this is my last verse. And this is one of those verses that you also have to read because it talks about the second coming. It talks about the rapture. It talks about what happens during that time. So listen to this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. Paul is saying you need to know this. You need to know this because this is encouraging. This is something that you'll be encouraged with. I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so talking about people who already died, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now Paul is saying, in knowing this, you should not be sad when, when a Christian dies. You should not be grieving for, for a believer dying. Because this is really what's going to happen. He said, do not grieve like the rest of the world. He's saying that the rest of the world is grieving because there's no hope for those who are without Jesus. None. That's what Paul is saying. But you, believers, do not be like them. They, they, they cry and cry and cry when someone dies. And I'm, not, I'm saying this right now not to, not to you know, uh, just demean people who are grieving. But for us believers, he wants us to have this perspective. And I know if someone in my life dies, I'm going to cry. I'm going to grieve. But I should know this in my heart, that this is really what's going on. 
And that's why this is, this is one, what I want you to, in terms of perspective, how you're going to think when it comes to that. Without no hope, he said, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that God will bring with Jesus, listen to that, those who have fallen asleep in him. You understand what that passage is saying? That those who have died and who are believers, because these people who died, by the way, the Bible uses, describes death as falling asleep, uses that same word, uh, he said, in him, meaning these are Christians who are in him, who are in Jesus Christ, who have died. He says that Jesus will bring them with him when he returns. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, so talking about us here who are still alive when Jesus returns, we are left until the coming of the Lord. We will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what's going to happen is all of them are going to come down first, then we're, we're going to come up second. We will not precede those who have died ahead of us. They're going to be resurrected first ahead of us. Then, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So all the dead that has died will resurrect. Then, what's going to happen is, after that, we who are still alive here and left caught up, or left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord up there in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Wow. Amazing. Amen? Therefore, encourage one another with his words. Death worries thy sting. No sting. No sting of 